Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 612 with Lindsay Gordon. Lindsay has some fresh perspectives on how to zero in on your perfect career fits. You'll learn one, how to get unstuck at work, two, how to define success on your terms, and three, why it's okay to have a boring job. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to albums we've referenced, drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP612 as an episode 612. Ep612. That's awesome at your job.com. And if you'd like summary wisdom from Lindsay in a handy email you can read in about three minutes, as well as access to the vault, the archives of all guest wisdom in these quick summary write-ups. We call that the gold nuggets. That's available at awesomeatyourjob.com. You visit them, you can sign up and get access to all those goodies. Totally free. That's the gold nuggets, but awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Lindsay's story. Lindsay Gordon is a career coach for analytically minded people who want to stop doing what they think is right in their career and start doing what's right for them. She helps people get clarity about what's right for them in a job and why, confident about their skills and abilities and able to communicate that to interviewers, managers, and colleagues through her program, A Life of Options. She used to work as a recycled water engineer in Melbourne, Australia, before landing at Google, working as technical support for the Google Apps team, after which she moved into career development at Google before starting her own business. She earned her bioengineering degree from the Franklin W. Olin College of Engineering. She loves applying her engineering brain to helping people find careers that fit, baking complicated pastries, and barbershop singing. Big thanks to Lindsay for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Lindsay. Lindsay, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you for having me. Super happy to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you here as well. And uh, I understand that you also do some barbershop singing with your vocal skills here. I absolutely do. It is one of my hobbies. I sing baritone in the quartet, which is basically all of the leftover notes in the chord. Mm-hmm. So you you never want to hear a baritone singing alone because it's a really unpleasant situation. But I promise that in the quartet, it sounds much better than me singing by myself. So now, what are some barbershop hits? I don't know the genre that well, but amongst barbershop aficionados, what are like the classics? Oh, 
that is a question that I am not going to be great at answering. One of the funny things about the barbershop quartet that I sing in or the barbershop group that I sing in is that we actually sing parodies. Oh, interesting. So we take those old songs, we write new lyrics, and then we dress up in costumes that go with the lyrics. So we're a little bit of a, a, a wild card in the barbershop world. Hmm. Well, so now when I think of parodies, I think of Weird Al. Yes. Are you? Can you give us a sample in terms of something you parodied and a clever lyric that's gone in there instead? Yes. So we took the song Babyface, which mm-hmm. maybe you know, and we turned it into Outer Space. And so okay. it was a whole song about an alien who had a one night stand and is discovering that they are pregnant throughout the course of the song. <laughs> You know, I, mean, I love I love it when their uh, songs are just like totally unique, you know, in, yeah. in terms of it's not like, oh, I'm falling in love or my heart is broken. It's like, okay, we've heard that before. <laughs> you know, right. but I've never heard that before. <laughs> I, when, I, when I was in college, I sang a, a, a well, sang might be a strong word. I, I performed a, a an original rap number about how I wanted to be a management consultant. Yes. And uh, I think it was the only one. So that's actually... A decent segue for what we're doing here. Usually they're forced. Somehow it works. Usually they're pretty forced and awkward, Lindsay, but uh, that works. We're talking about a career coaching, career decision-making, strategery, uh, that good stuff. So you have an interesting uh, moniker. You, you call yourself a career coach for analytically-minded people. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm one of them. How do we know if we're an analytically-minded person? What sets us apart? Yes. So it is all in the way that you like to process information and make decisions. So the reason I say that I'm a career coach for analytically minded people is because I have an engineering background, which is quite unusual for a career coach. So what when I think about the work that I do, I'm taking my engineering brain, applying it to this question of how do we even know what we're looking for in a job that's going to be a good fit for us. How do we make that decision that we're going to feel really good about? And how do we do that in the most practical and structured way? So if you love a good framework, if you love structured exercises to go through, if you like to process information in a very logical format, that's the type of analytically minded person that really connects with the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I love it that that's just so clear in terms of some people say, yes, that's so mean. Others people say, Mm-mm. and then, but then, you know, and then you can move, go on your merry way pretty quickly and know if you want to dig in deep. And so your, your program's called A Life of Options. Options sound good. Tell us what's, what's the ethos behind that, that name and vibe. Everything that I do is about you having choice feeling good about your choices, feeling like you have choices at any point in your career, and knowing that at any moment you can proactively cultivate something that is going to be a good fit for you in your career. I think a lot of times people spend time being stuck, feeling like they're unhappy, they don't know what to do, it's too late to make a change, they've spent too many years going down one direction, whatever it is, 
I want you to feel like you always have options. One of the things I always tell my clients is I want them to see themselves as an opportunity creating machine by the time they get out of my program. So if they are somewhere where they're not happy, they have all the tools to be able to have conversations, to know what they're looking for and to cultivate those things. So they feel like they always have options. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so Let's hit this one right up front then. Talking about always having options and being an option generating machine. I, I think that, hey, economies go in cycles. And so as we record this in the latter half of 2020, COVID is a hot topic and an inescapable one. So so that has economic ramifications, good for some, bad for many. Why don't you lay that on us, first of all, in terms of in, in this particular economy and in uh, you know recession-type economies, just how picky can we afford to be? How demanding can we be? How many options can we realistically think about generating before we're kind of, I don't know, in a fantasy land? So I think that that's kind of a tension between something too small is like, no, you're really not stuck. There's many other opportunities. And some people think uh, unrealistically like, hey, you know, it'd be great to earn, you know, 300K by doing almost nothing at what you love, but you no, know, almost nobody does that. So make her find something else. So Help us navigate that. Yeah. And I am a very practical, realistic person. So I think that's a great thing to point out of, I am not just about quit and do your passion and you can do everything. And there's a dream job out there, right? There is some reality to it. Um, I have been quite amazed actually at how many people are getting new jobs that I am working with. So that is one data point that I have of, yes, absolutely. There are a lot of people struggling. There are a lot of industries that are not hiring that have hiring freezes. And as you say, it's interesting to look at what are the fields and places that are actually thriving despite the situation. So I think that's one thing to consider. Where are you looking? I also think options is broader than just getting a new job. So I want you to feel like mm -hmm. you have agency within your role, within your company to be able to create things that may not look like a big change because it, it might not be the right time to make a big change. And I acknowledge that. But to be able to say, what agency do I have? Where do I have control over what I'm creating in my current role? Are there other opportunities for me to be even happier and thriving more in my current job? Are there options for me to look around the company? Are there options for me to create opportunities that have not yet existed within the company. So I think that's important to talk about too when we talk about options, having the agency within your job to find ways to thrive. Okay. So all right, let's, let's dig in then. So you work with a lot of people who feel kind of stuck uh, in their job, in their careers. Uh, can you tell us what are kind of the the big drivers of that? Like the the top reasons folks are not feeling, you know, happy and satisfied with their current career situation. Yeah. The biggest thing that I see is that people do not know what they want. All right. And what happens when you don't know what you want is you start doing many things. You start defining your own success based on what success looks like to other people. You listen to the noise of what does society think we should want in a job? What does your family think you should want in a job? We start to 
look around and have the grass is greener situation. We start to get distracted by shiny objects. And then all of that creates tension because we do not know what we want. Another piece of this is a common experience where people have fallen into jobs and they have not proactively chosen or putting any intention into that. So then you start to have this question of, is this even the right thing for me? I never really chose this. I kind of fell into marketing and now I'm like 15 years in. How do I know if this is actually the right thing for me? So first we're missing clarity and then we're missing the way to answer that question of, is this the right fit for me? And feel really good about that decision that you're making. And so for folks who who don't know what you want, how do you start to know? Yep. So I do a couple of things. I think it's really important to know what is important to you and how work fits into that. So that can look like values. That can look like an exercise from designing your life called the work manifesto. That can also look like strengths. I help people be incredibly clear about what comes easily to you? What do you enjoy doing? How is that engaged with your work? I also look at things like, what working conditions do you need? It's really important what environment we are in in order to thrive. So looking at, you know, what physical environment do I need? What type of people do I need to be around? What type of work do I need to be doing? So there are these all these different categories that I help people understand, oh, this is exactly what I need in this area. And then you can start to compare it to, okay, how well is that being honored and prioritized in your job? And what adjustments do you need to make? Okay, lovely. And so then in terms of of assessing how well it's being honored in your job, is there a particular framework you use to evaluate that? Or are there sort of factors, drivers, criteria that we're scoring? Uh, I'm thinking analytically here. How do we do that? So I have created a, a spreadsheet that I like to call the next steps tracker. And it basically allows you to look at every job you are Considering if you are considering next moves, if you have often thought about going back and doing more school, right? a lot of people who talk to me are like, should I go get an MBA? I've been considering that for five years and I need to make a decision. So in the columns, we can put the things that we're considering or our current job. And then we start to look at, okay, here are my top values. Here are my top strengths. Here are the working conditions I need in order to thrive. And I basically have people go through and look at, okay, this top value, is that being honored or prioritized? Yes, no, unclear. And then we get this big framework of, okay, here are the things that might be out of alignment. There are two out of my top five strengths. One of these working conditions isn't really fitting. Great. So then that gives us a place to start to look at adjusting. How would I put more of these strengths in my role? What opportunities are there? How would I shift this particular environment to be able to be a better fit? So it really is just making a list of all the things that are important to you and applying it to your job to see where you want to make changes. Okay, then. So then within that, it sounds pretty darn custom as opposed to You know, I've created something before and it's like, hey, there's 15 career happiness drivers. Let's look at them and let's score them. But it sounds like you're taking a more uh, personal approach in terms of, no, you know, there's maybe not 15, there's maybe a billion. And and, and you've selected the six that are uh, kind of resonating the most, you know, for you personally. Can you maybe give us an an example of uh, a story of someone who they're kind of stuck and then they 
zeroed in on what they want and then how they evaluated the the next steps along those lines and they made a call and it worked out smashingly. Yeah. So I think that the important part that you've highlighted is that it is based on individual definitions of success. And that's really a big part of my work. Of There are all of these definitions of what does success look like? What does growth look like? What does recognition look like? But actually, if you don't know what the definition is for yourself, then you are going to be comparing yourself to these external definitions and not getting the type of fulfillment that you want. So one example, I had a client come to me convinced that she needed to leave her company convinced that she needed to leave the field that she was in that happened to be aerospace engineering and pretty much just done, right? Ready to get out, need to figure out what the next thing is. So I took her through the process of what are the values? What are the strengths? What are the environments that are important to you? And what she found, a huge part of what was missing for her is her strengths of teaching and facilitating. And she was not getting any of that in the type of engineering work that she was doing. And so that was new Mm -hmm. to her because what I find is a lot of people are surprised that they have strengths or just don't know what they are. And so once she figured that out, she was like, oh yeah, teaching and facilitating is huge to me. That's really what's been missing. And so then we started looking around, okay, what is internal to the company that could be a better fit for that now that you've identified this piece that's missing. And so what she was able to find is a um, three-year rotation program that is all about teaching and facilitating for the engineers at the company. So less doing the actual engineering, but now doing the teaching and facilitating of the others. And she would have never thought to look around at other positions within the company. She would have never thought to look at staying in the field that she had already spent 15 years in, but she was able to find this different implementation of her strengths and absolutely loves and is thriving in that role. Okay, lovely. And so then that gets you, you're situated in terms of zeroing in on what what you're digging and then identifying the opportunities and and how that can align to it. And, And I think that there's a good gem there associated with uh, the, the knee-jerk reaction of, I got to get out of here. <laughs> it's telling you something, but you, getting out of there may very well not be the optimal path for you. Can you speak to that? Yes. So most people come to me thinking that they need to quit their job, right? They're unhappy in some way. They can't figure it out. Easiest thing to do is quit. What I realized about a year or two ago is that I am accidentally running an employee retention program. Ah. So many people come to me needing to quit. So many people do not end up quitting their job. I don't have current numbers, but when I crunched the numbers about two years ago at that point, for the people who came to me who were currently in a job, more than 50% of them ended up staying in their job. Mm -hmm. So that's where I got this hypothesis that when we think we need to quit, it is actually that we are not clear about what we want, what might be out of alignment in this current role. And there are so many people. I can give you one other example. Client came to me, I need to quit. I'm done with this field. You know, I need to figure out what my next thing is. Two sessions into working with me, she just starts laughing and she's like, so this job is actually a great fit for me. 
it's a great fit for my strengths. It's a great fit for what's important to me. And actually what I want to do is make these two small changes and continue to grow in this particular area. And now she is thriving. She is getting promotions. She loves the work. From the outside, absolutely nothing changed. Not a single thing in her circumstances. Everything was the mindset about what is this job to me? How does it align with what I want? And that made all of the difference in the world. So really interesting that once you get people really clear about what they want and confident about those decisions, a lot of people end up deciding that they don't actually need to quit their job. All right. Very nice. And you've got a particular take on on boring jobs. Let's hear it. I love to tell people that it is okay to have a boring job if it works for you. And this is kind of a, a provocative idea. Like, I'm provoked. <laughs> I guess some people are really riled up. And I think that's good. I think it goes to this, this point of we need to do what is right for us. And for some people, their passion and purpose and meaning and drive is going to come from work. Great. For others, that passion and purpose and meaning and drive is going to come from outside of work. And so sometimes a boring job can allow you to do the things that are most important to you about the contribution you want to make in this world outside of work. So let me give you one example of how a boring job has been very beneficial to one of my clients. So she came to me in a self-described boring job and she was underutilized and there wasn't a lot of challenge going on. And so we started looking at, okay, what might be interesting to you? What are your strengths? What are your interests? And one thing that came out to her is that she might want to be a grief counselor. This was something Mm. she had not considered before, but it really connected with her experience. And so she said, oh, interesting. You know, we keep seeing these themes of the the strengths that are aligned with that and the type of contribution that I want to make. So what she used her boring job for was to test that out. So I'm a very risk-averse person. I do not want anyone to just quit their jobs, burn it all down, go and do their passion because they think it's the right thing without de-risking the process as much as possible with as much prototyping as we can do. So for her, she started using her extra time and mental energy, which is usually what you get from a boring job. And she started volunteering with a crisis hotline and spent time doing that to test that out. And then she started testing out you know, looking at different um, schooling options that she could take on. So she used her boring job to get more information about what was going to give her more purpose and passion in her next role and used that in order to become a grief counselor. And she emailed me, I think sometime last year, a couple years after we had worked together. And she was like, Lindsay, I'm about to graduate and I'm about to have my first client. And, you know, the whole process had felt good to her because she had de-risked it. She had tested it out. She had stayed in that boring job that allowed her to still have financial stability while she moved to her next profession. Yeah, that's a great point that the boring jobs are do offer you that time and mental energy, whereas thrilling jobs tend to be intense, have some pressure, need you to be kind of, or pull you into thinking about them a lot because they're interesting. And you might noodle on the unsolved mystery uh, for while you're commuting or maybe when you'd rather not be. (laughs) 
you know, when, when you're at, at home with family, et cetera. So, so that is a nice highlight there. I'm thinking, but a couple examples come to mind. I, I remember Albert Einstein, when he was in the patent office, said, uh, you know, it gave him a lot of time to think. <laughs> that served him well, yeah. <laughs> having that time to think. Or a fictitious example, is it uh, Jerry or Gary or Larry Gergich from Parks and Rec just had this, you know, lame government job, but he he liked being able to reliably return to his uh, lovely family at a consistent time. And that was really what, what did it for him. So yeah, that's a nice, and that's a good example specifically of, if you think about sort of societal or external expectations for what a good job is supposed to be, it's like, oh, it's got to be your passion. It's got to be a thrilling. It, it needs to be, you know, so exciting and engaging. Yep. Everything to you, <laughs> have all your fulfillment. Yeah. And yeah, some people, it's not applicable to all people, I think. And, or even at different times of your life in terms of like, hey, this thrilling job was awesome until I had some babies. And then it's like, this thrilling job is taking me away from that and I don't care for it as much. So, so things can evolve over time as well. Yep. Yeah. One of my earliest clients came to me she was in a very high paying lawyer job and all of her friends and family were saying, oh my gosh, you're being under challenge. Like they're not using you to your full extent. You're bored. You know, you really should make a change and go get a job that is more deserving of your talents. And so she came to me and she was like, well, maybe I need to get a new job because this one, you know, everyone's telling me that I need something new. When we did the values exercise, she said, Number one right now is financial stability and the ability to have time with my young son. Mm-hmm. And that gave her ultimate confidence to say, actually, at this phase in life, for what I want in this moment, for what's important to me, this job is perfect. Mm-hmm. And so she was able to just let go of all of the external noise from friends, family who always want the best for us, but they don't always know what that is. And she was able to say, you know what? Thank you, friends and family. I appreciate that. And I know why this job is actually the perfect fit for me at this phase in life. Yeah, that's that's really excellent. And it gets me thinking here. Yeah, I want to zero in on what you said with regard to the confidence. Because I think that's sort of, emotionally speaking, a fundamental difference from the beginning to the end of this process. It's like, I don't have no idea. What am I doing? Is it the wrong thing? Ah, to, all right this is what I'm going to do. And, and boy, there is just something so powerful about when you have that conviction that um, this is what it is, because it's sort of like all of the mental energy and and time spent of like, oh, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Oh, I don't quite know. Oh, I don't really feel like I could maybe uh, take that risk or ask for help in this direction if I'm not really sure I'm going to utilize that advice or or take advantage of of what someone is is helping me out with. Like all kinds of things fall away and and power jet fuel is yep. working for you yep. when you've got that confidence. So so tell us, what are the fundamental ingredients in terms of what it takes to arrive at the place of totally confident versus, well, this kind of seems like a good move? Yeah. One thing that I like to tell clients is that I promise them deeply unsexy results. There is okay. nothing exciting about when they get through my program, there's nothing flashy. They will most likely not have made a huge change in their job. But what happens is that deep, grounded, calming conviction of, yes. 
this is what I want. This is what is right for me. And so it's so fun explaining it in that way because people are like, what? Deeply unsexy results. Do I want that? Like, yes, you absolutely want that. So when I think about what it takes to have confidence in your decisions, it comes back to clarity. One of the phrases that I like for clients to use a lot when they are in interviews, when they are having conversations about creating opportunities within their current role is, I know I thrive when XYZ is happening, when I'm in this type of environment, when I'm just doing this type of work. Can you tell me about how that might be connected to this role that you're pitching to me or to this company that I'm thinking about joining? So it's all about, I know when I thrive, this is very clear for me. And now all I'm doing is connecting that to the opportunity at hand. So that deep, deep clarity gives you the confidence to say, I know that this thing is going to be the right thing for me. Lovely. I will give you a quick example of that. So I had a client who was contacted by recruiters all the time. And the recruiter would be like, hey, 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 you want this shiny job at Facebook? You know, and then she would go into the exactly what we were talking about, this energy draining, like, oh my gosh, do I want the shiny thing? You know, this company is so great. Everyone else thinks that I should work there. And we're just like giving all of our energy away and just waffling and second guessing and all of that. So that had been her experience up until working with me. And after she worked with me, she got a call from a recruiter. The recruiter said, hey, 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 this shiny job, like, do you want this thing? And she said, thank you so much. That job is not a good fit for me for these three reasons. What I am looking for, which will allow me to thrive, are these three things. If you find opportunities like that, I would love to hear about them. There you go. End of story. There's no waffling. There's no, I like to call it the whirlwind of chaos of, do I want the thing? So as you said, it's just like the jet fuel of power in the direction you know is going to be impactful for you. All right. Well, we talk about recruiters calling all the time and do I want that thing? You know, that sparks. Let's talk about money. Sometimes it's almost hardwired into us. Like, of course, the right move is the one that is the most lucrative. And so that could be a stumbling block. I mean, and I know that that's not true. Many people have have chosen new opportunities that have less money, but they are so glad they did. And and so, and I've been, that happened to me. I was in strategy consulting. I went to do my own thing. And there were several years in which it's like, hmm, I'd sure have a lot more money if I were still strategy consulting. Yes, indeed. And now, fortunately, hey, business has gone well and I've got both. So happy ending. But other people find... the happiness without that. So how do we think about money, happiness, and if that's really in you deep, what do you do with it? Two things I think to consider. So the first is values. When I do my values exercise, what I have people do is make a list of all the decisions that they've made in their life and then start to look at the motivations behind those decisions. So it's kind of looking at the data of how you have lived your life so far to come up with your list of values. For some people, financial security is a huge part of those values. For other people, financial security does not come up as a big part of their values. So that's one thing is to think about how big is that in your set of values. 
That's one input. Another framework I really like, which is from the book Designing Your Work Life by Dave Evans and Bill Burnett. They think about it as three different sliders in your career. So there are three ways to think about, you know, what it is that you do and how you get compensated for your work. So one is obviously money, and that's the one we think of most often. The next is impact. And the next is expression. Mm-hmm. And so they think of it as sliders that you can move around at any point based on what your needs are at any phase of life, based on what's important to you at any phase in life. So let's say when you are first starting out, you want to make sure that you are financially secure. This is the first time you're needing to pay rent. You want to start thinking about putting away for retirement. You need to pay off student loans, whatever it is. Maybe money is the highest one of those sliders. Then a couple of years into your career, maybe you decide that impact is a place that you want to prioritize more in your career. So you could think about dialing down the money dial a little bit and increasing the impact dial. Same with expression. So I just like the way that they think about the balance of those three things. And again, thinking about what do you need in your life? What phase of life are are you at? What's important to you? And what is the balance that you want for those three sliders? Lovely. Well, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. I think two things that are the easiest for somebody to do in order to think about making decisions that feel good to them with confidence, where they can thrive. One is get clear about what your strengths are. If assessments are the way that you really enjoy doing that, Strengths Finder has a fantastic one that I've been using for years. It's 20 bucks. It will give you incredible vocabulary about what your top strengths are, how they interact, and how they might relate to your role. So that's something that people can do really easily to figure out how to thrive more in their job. And then second is it's really important to start to define some of the nebulous words that we use around career development. So we talk a lot about growth. We talk a lot about recognition. We talk a lot about mentorship. And when we say those words, it can mean something totally different to every person that you talk to. So for example, recognition is something that comes up all the time. I don't feel recognized in my job. Oh, okay. You know, what's happening? They say, well, my manager is talking about me in our team meetings and sharing her gratitude and appreciation there. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds like recognition, but that doesn't seem to be working for you. And the client said, oh yeah, recognition for me is getting paid more. That's mm-hmm. how I know what my value is. And so when you are talking to your manager and saying, I don't feel recognized, and your manager is saying, what are you talking about? You know, I'm, I'm talking about you in team meetings. I'm putting you up for promotion, whatever it is. I want you to have the definition that works for you so that you can have a much better conversation with people around you as to how to get the things that are important to you. Beautiful. Thank you. Oh, now could you share a favorite quote? Something you find inspiring? Yes. One of my favorite quotes is... The one about the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, and the second best time is now. Mm, Thank you. I think we spend so much time beating ourselves up about past decisions, convincing ourselves it's too late, you know, waffling and all this energy draining. I want to help people redirect that energy and focus on what has happened has happened. What are we taking action on now to make things better in our career? Okay. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? 
I just read about this recently in the book Range. Oh, we had David on the show. Ah, that's amazing. Gosh, I love that book. So I loved his mention of match quality, which is the term that economists use to describe the degree of fit between the work someone does and who they are. And they mention a study at Harvard called the Dark Horse Project. And in a nutshell, basically, everybody who has found success in their role in this study has followed what they talked about as a really unusual path. And everyone was like, you know, I don't know that I would recommend this, but this is how I got to where I am. So it was incredible that in this study, they all thought that they were the anomaly for having an unusual career path. And yet that was actually a dominant outcome of the study. Mm -hmm. And how about, well, there's a study inside a book, but I'm going to ask about a favorite book too. (laughs) Favorite book, Essentialism. Oh yeah. Tagline, Disciplined Pursuit of Less. That book is filled with terrifying truth about how much we let everything else in the world dictate our energy, our time and attention and what we can do to actually achieve focus in our life and in our work. Okay. And a favorite tool? I would say the five minute journal. It is a book that I discovered recently that has a couple of questions at the start of the day, a couple of questions at the end of the day. What are you grateful for? What do you want to create today? And what's an affirmation? And then a check-in in the evening. What went really well today? And what could you have done better? Okay. And a favorite habit? I have recently started waking up at the same time every day. And it is incredible at how even just that small change to eliminate decision fatigue has been awesome. So getting up at the same time and reading for 30 minutes as soon as I get up. And that includes that your Saturdays and Sundays? That does not. (laughs) That's probably an area of opportunity. I I am not quite there yet. I'm not normally a morning person, so this is like a a change for me. But yes, I know that it would actually be better for me if I do it every single day. So I appreciate that challenge. Oh, sure. And is there a particular nugget you share that seems to connect and resonate with your people again and again? You can make absolutely any decision for absolutely any reason as long as you know why it works for you. All right. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Website is a great place to get in touch, alifeofoptions.com. And I would also love to have you connect with me on LinkedIn. Every Tuesday, I share awesome reflections from my work with clients and help you think about action that you can take in your career. So I would love to connect with you there as well. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? We talk a lot about having it figured out. I should have it figured out by now. I'm behind. Everybody else seems to have it figured out. I would love to challenge you to shift your goal from having it all figured out to a quote from Designing Your Life, which talks about playing the infinite game of becoming more and more yourself with each day. So instead of this endpoint of having it figured out, I want you to ask yourself each day, how can I become more of myself today and bring what makes me unique into the world, into the work, and into my contributions? All right, Lindsay, this has been fun. I wish you lots of luck and all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, 
check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.